Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. I want to welcome you and everybody at the north side of the Courageous Church today. God's doing amazing things. This church is growing like crazy, and we're thankful for everything God is doing. Are you thankful for the goodness of God? Are you really thankful for the goodness of God? I am. And today I have a unique sermon that I've wanted to preach for many, many, many years and never have, and I've saved it to share with you. And it's from an obscure man in the Bible, but we're just going to, we're going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm going to preach toward the end, but I want you to see the story of a man's life unfold who fell in love with the presence of God. Okay. God, God changed me in his presence. Being in the presence of God is not something we should take lightly. And it's not something that we should, should, should fight to embrace. Like I need the presence of God to lead me, guide me, give me wisdom, strength, change my heart, renew my mind, help me to forgive all the things that I don't do normally. The presence of God helps me do. And so my title today is God's house is my house. And I'm talking about a man named Obed-Edom. Okay. Look at your neighbor say Obed-Edom. He's our main character for today. Obed-Edom. And I want to read you a story of how we are introduced to Obed-Edom in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 5. And I'll probably skip through here, so just ride with me back there. Um, This is right before David set up the tabernacle of David, okay? We talked about that last week. This is right before. It's the same story, but we're going a different direction today. 2 Samuel 6, 5. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines. My mother plays a tambourine in church this day, people. I Never mind. And castanets, that's like... Anybody know what a castanet is? You're not from the old church. See, I'm from the old church where people had castanets and tambourines. You don't call those things castanets and tambourines. You call them devil chasers back in the day. All right, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, and they're carrying the ark of God on a on a cart pulled by oxen, which they weren't supposed to do. The presence of God is to be carried on the backs of men, not on arks and carts, not on boards and wheels and all this. And so Uzzah put his hand out to stabilize. He put, let me read it. He put out his hand on the ark of God, took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. And to paraphrase, it, God killed him. You don't touch my presence in a way I have said you shouldn't. This is Old Testament. You're welcome into the presence of God today. But, but he, he reached out and he touched the, the ark and uh, he, just, he got too familiar and God killed him. It's Old Testament. All right, so this stopped the parade. This stopped the praise. This stopped everything. And they weren't sure what to do with him. And so verse 10, skipping to verse 10 of that same section, it says, so David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Say Gittite. All right. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed him and all his household. All right. This is how we meet 
Obed-Edom. What was this thing they were moving around? This is the Ark of the Covenant. This is the, 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 the centerpiece of all the, uh, of the, all the tabernacle. I got a picture of it, put it up on a screen. This is, the, uh, this is a, a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. This is what your boy Indiana Jones was looking for back in the day, okay? And inside of this, they had the, the tablets that God gave to Moses and a couple other artifacts, Aaron's rod, a jar of manna, the first Torah scroll given to Moses. And on the top where those angels are was a gold lid called the mercy seat. And in the Old Testament, the presence of God followed this, dwelled with this, and was symbolic of this, okay? This was the thing, the presence of God, okay? This is the thing. And so this is the piece of furniture that Uzzah reached out to touch and died. This is it. This is an artist's rendition, but this is it. And when they didn't know what to do because somebody had died and killed the party, they parked this piece of furniture at Uzzah, I'm sorry, at Obed-Edom's house. So this got moved into Obed-Edom's house. All right. Now, it says in 1 Chronicles 13, 13, so David did not move the ark into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. Gittite Gath. That means he's from the same place Goliath was from. That means this guy is living in a place where there is lots of people that are descendants of Goliath. How many of you understand Goliath is not a friend of God? But the truth of the matter here is that Obed-Edom was not from Gath or a Gittite, it's just how he was living because if you research his life, he was a Levite and a Levite is the only tribe of Israel allowed to carry and take care of the Ark of the Covenant. Let's just make it very plain. Obed-Edom was backslidden. <laughs> they call him a Gittite because he was acting like a Gittite. They said he was from Gath because he was acting like he was from Gath, but this kid was not a Gittite, he was a Levite. And how many of you have had times in your life when you acted like a Gittite and not a Levite? The beauty of that picture is that we can have great confidence in God that even when we reject him, he doesn't reject us and he reaches for us. The Bible says that while you were yet sinners, Christ loved you. That while you were doing the worst of your resume, he was like, mm, 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 I love them so much. Like, this is the heart of God toward people we see here, okay? So he was a Levite living in Gath. And the reason they called him that, because he was living more Gittite than Levite. And God calls people like that. When the presence of God wants to come to your house, when God starts knocking at your door, when you're driving down the road listening to the radio and you start to cry and feel things, you're not sure why you're feeling them, but something's drawing your heart back to God. No, that's the presence of God pulling you back to himself. Anybody ever had experiences like that? Where you'll watch a video on Instagram and all of a sudden you're just like, Jesus, I need you. <laughs> things like this happen when God is pulling you back. And so the, the, the challenge here is that David the king didn't ask permission to move that piece of furniture into somebody's house. How many of y'all had people come live with you? I'm not talking stay. I mean come and live with you. And they bring their own furniture. Huh? 
They bring their own furniture, they come live with you, and you're all of a sudden sleeping on the pull-out couch. You're like, what, is this, is this my house or not? And that's what happened to Obed-Edom. They moved a piece of furniture into his house. His wife was probably not thrilled with the gaudiness of the golden decor. It did not match her country home interiors out in the desert. It says in 1 Chronicles 13, 4, the ark of God remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. Say three months. And the Lord blessed, say blessed, the household of Obed-Edom and everything he owned. They rearranged the furniture. They moved the kids to air mattresses. They, 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 they moved grandpa to the laundry room. They moved other stuff out because they've realized the presence of God has come to live in my house, not just visit my house. There are some people in this room, God is knocking on the door of your heart, and the message of God to you is you need to make room for the blessing of God in your house, in your life, on your calendar, in your priorities. And when he did that, God started pouring out the blessings as he is faithful to do. You can't be in the presence of God and not be blessed. You can't get close to Jesus and it not make you love everybody. You can't get connected to the king and not feel like, you know what? I need to forgive them even though they don't deserve it. The presence of God changes a heart changes a life, makes you start over in ways you never would have done if not for the presence of God. And so you've got to make room for the blessing. Now this is, I talked this over with Renee, and she told me not to do this. So I'm on, I'm on shaky ground right now. But in studying this, I read in the 1901 Jewish Encyclopedia that the rabbis taught this about the amount of blessing that came to Obed-Edom's house when the presence of God came in. Are you ready for this? It's crazy, but it's in, I read it, it on the internet in, an, in, a, in a Jewish thing. Let's just, let's just take it for what it is, okay? Here's what the, the, old, the rabbis taught. The blessing with which God blessed Obed-Edom consisted in children. His wife and eight daughters-in-law bore children twice every month during the three months the ark remained with him. According to another version, each of them bore six children at once. Can you stand to be blessed? <laughs> now, that's not the Bible. That's the Jew 1901 Jewish Encyclopedia. But the point it's trying to make is unfathom, unfathomable, you know the word, unbelievable, insurmountable, Blessing came to Obed-Edom's house just because he entertained and lived with the presence of God there. God's, however it is, maybe your wife won't start, maybe your wife won't start dropping litters of kids, but. <laughs> His goats got more luscious in their mane. The rabbits were more rabbity. The chickens had more orange yolks. The daughters got more beautiful and the sons got more strong. The family got more unified and everything was blessed because the presence of God was there in Obed-Edom's house and they couldn't keep it quiet. Having godly priorities in your home will bring about the blessing. Loving the house of God, loving the presence of God and not making a hard delineation between God's house and your house. 
loving your church will bring about the blessing. And so it got around. How many of you know word gets around? 2 Samuel 6 and 12 says this. Then David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's house and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David's like, well, maybe God's not mad at me. Maybe God's going like this rather than like this. Maybe God's not mad at all. So David went there, the Bible says, and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. And you would think that would be the end of the story because for three months, Obed-Edom experienced the presence of God in all of this crazy good blessing. And David said, we got to get it back for everybody. And so they left. And so you could see Obed-Edom on the front porch waving and there goes the presence of God. But no, no, Obed-Edom got addicted. Obed-Edom got addicted to the presence of God. I'm talking about when he would walk through the living room of his house and go by the whatever room, they, you know, the, the, do we have parlors anymore? Do we have parlors? Let's say the family room. Maybe they put it in the family room. I don't know. But when he would walk by there, he'd feel goosebumps. He'd want to cry. He'd feel the presence of God just, just strengthening him and speaking to him. And Obed-Edom got addicted to the presence of God. He loved it. And when the presence of God moved, Obed-Edom said, kids, pack your stuff. Honey, put your silverware in that trunk. We're moving with it. Obed-Edom got addicted to prayer. He got addicted to God's blessing. He got addicted to the presence of God. He got addicted to family unity. He began to crave more interactions with God. Obed-Edom got more than a contact buzz. He got completely immersed in the presence of God. Folks, I've not been addicted to anything but french fries in my life, but I can tell you, being around it will get you addicted. Being around people who are addicted will get you addicted. That's why if you're trying to get your life clean, new playground, new playmates. Don't go back around those old people. When the ark moved, Obed-Edom moved with it. This is a beautiful story of a man whose family history was completely changed by the presence of God. And he never was satisfied with anything less than the presence of the Lord. And here is how his story changed. We pick up another mention of Obed-Edom in 1 Chronicles 15, 17. It's talking about how they were deciding who was going to do what in this new place of worship designed. And here's what the Bible says. So the Levites appointed Heman, son of Joel, along with his fellow Levites, Asaph, son of Berechiah, and Athan, son of Kashuiah, from the clan of Moriah. And the following men were chosen as their assistants, Zechariah, Jeziel, Shemir, Ramoth, Jehiel, Yuniel, Yabiniah, Messiah, Matana, Ephelah, Mikilah, and the gatekeepers, Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom! <laughs> Was it like, well, I could never... Do anything less than what I did before because at my old church, I was real close to the presence of God. But now in my new church, I, I, I'm just so overqualified. Why am I saying this? For something else. And he had the heart of a servant and they made him a gatekeeper in the house of God. 
The Bible says, I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Just being close to the presence of God was a big priority for Obed-Edom, that the only opportunity they had for him was to stand at the gate. He said, I'll take it. I just want to be close to the presence of God. He must have rearranged the priorities of his entire family so they could encounter the presence of God. He realized at the highest level of spirituality he could live out was serving others. He realized that, that he was going to facilitate. I have had my time in the presence of God. I have tasted and seen the Lord is good. I'm going to use my life to facilitate others to know about the goodness of God. And so he became a gatekeeper. What does that mean? He started providing security. Yeah, he started providing security for the house of God. The gatekeeper also served as an usher. And so he was there hyping people up as they walked through the door saying, I have been in the presence of the one who you're about to enter into. And let me tell you, it's good, 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 good. This day is going to change your life. God's doing big things and great things and powerful things. And I'm so glad you're here. He would memorize names and he would, he would interact with new people. He would do everything needed just to get somebody closer to the presence of God. He was the first gatekeeper to come and the last gatekeeper to leave. All because he wanted to be close to the presence of God. I remember when they first entrusted me with keys to the church when I was a teenager. It was like a Sir Galahad sword ceremony, like two-handed handover of the church key. I was like, ah. It was, it was, a, it was a thing, and, and, and he was trusted. He was trusted to be a part of God's plan and purpose. He would sweep up. He'd blow out the candles. He'd be the last to leave. He would collect the offerings. That's what gatekeepers did. They collected the offerings. He did security. If they would have had kids check in, he would have done that. It just to be close to the presence of God, just to be a little closer to God's presence. You know what the Bible says about the presence of God in the house of God? It says in Psalm 69 this, because zeal, say zeal, zeal, that means like unbridled passion. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. You ever have a friend so good that if somebody has beef with your friend, they got beef with you? You never had a friend that good? Because I have. I have friends that hate the people that hate me. Hey, the, 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 the presence of God is so good that it makes you have beef with the things God has beef with. Do we have any gangsters in the house or is everybody just so civilized today? You've never had beef before with somebody. You've never had problems that had to be taken care of out in the street. There's never been a thing for you, right? And so he went from housing the presence of God to moving to get close to the presence of God to being a gatekeeper at the house of God, providing security, being an usher, collecting the offerings, and then the Bible says, skipping to 1 Chronicles 15, 21, he, he, he just discovered the link between his house and God's house. And let me tell you, every person who serves to get the presence of God to the people can expect blessings from it. If you serve with your life to get blessings, to like be a bridge and get God's presence to people, you can expect God's going to be like, will bless you because you're blessing others. And so 1 Chronicles 15, 21 says, 21, 
Matthiah, Eliphel, Michnei, Obed-Edom, Jael, and Isaiah to direct with harps on the Shemineth. My man Obed-Edom has gone from house in the presence of God to being a gatekeeper in the presence of God to being an usher in the presence of God to working security in the presence of God to working his harp for the glory of God. An eight-string harp, just like King David. He began to offer praise to God. There's so many people with hidden talents in this church. I'm digging through your trash can right now. There's so many people with hidden talents in this church. Like uh, AJ, uh, our worship director, uh, got up and in a prayer service said, I have an old truck. I don't use it all the time. And I got to remind myself to use it and start it because when I need it, sometimes if I don't use it, the battery's dead and I can't use it because I haven't used it. And there are people in here, God's gifted you with things and you've not used it. And if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Like me. I used to be an awesome drummer. I really. I was the drummer for the church. You don't... Are there any old saints in the house? Can you remember the days I used to play the drums? Come on. I need a, I got four old saints in this house. No. I used to be able to rock, take the camera, point it at the drums. No. You know, don't cheer. I suck. See, they got all these. They never had computers on the drums when I was a kid, when I was playing. But like, you know, I haven't played in a while. Now don't put any effects on me and don't make me sound crazy. But like, this is the best I got right now. I've not used it in a while. I've not been on a pair of drums in eight years today. Since I've not been on a pair of drums in eight years. Are you ready? Put your cameras down. I'm going to put the microphone down, okay? Honestly, I guess I'm better than I thought. Seriously, that's not good enough to play up here. I've lost it. I was drummer number one. Now I'm not. Look at your neighbor say, you got to use it. Look at your neighbor say, you got to use it or you lose it. And so Obed-Edom started playing his harp. Look. I don't think Obed-Edom was the most amazing harp player there was. I just think Obed-Edom, Obed-Edom's heart was the most willing of anybody. And God uses, wake up everybody, God uses people who are willing, not people who are super talented. God never calls the qualified, he qualifies the called. Always. God chooses us. We are his voice. We are his hands. We are his feet here on earth. God uses us to accomplish his mission here on earth. If God had smarter people, he'd use them. If God had more talented people, he'd use them. But all he has is us. All of our faults, failures, and mess-ups. Obed-Edom, the Gathite, the Gittite, the Goliath guy. 
the, the, the guy living well below his calling. God said, come on. Like Abraham lied to Pharaoh that his wife was his sister, yet he is known as the father of faith. Moses had such a bad temper, he killed an Egyptian. But God chose to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And David committed adultery with Bathsheba and engineered the murder of her husband. But God called him a man after his own heart. And Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, then curled up in a ball and wanted to die when he was threatened by the king's wife. Peter cut off a servant's ear, denied the Lord. Yet he was the one who preached the first message to the first church on the first day of the church at Pentecost. God uses messed up people who are just willing, who don't run from the presence of God. We had 29 new graduates this last Sunday in our growth track one day. 29, praise God. 29 Obed-Edom standing up saying, I just want to facilitate somebody getting closer and closer to the presence of God. And so he went from gatekeeper to harpist. Ding, 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 ding. Guess who's back? Ding, 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 ding. He went to harp guy. And then 1 Chronicles 15, 24. Okay, here we go again. Shebaniah. I'm going to really try to pronounce these. Joshaphat, Nathanael, Amasai, Zechariah, Benaiah, and Eleazar, Eleazar, or the priests, were to blow the trumpets before the ark of God. And Obed-Edom and Jehiah, doorkeepers for the ark. My boy went from gatekeeper, usher, security, harpist, so now he's at the door of the presence of God and the way he used to hype people up before he can say, I want you to know the presence of God lived in my house for three months. My wife had six kids two weeks apart, twice. It was unbelievable. God blessed my household. He's done things you can't even explain. Like, and the thing that Obed-Edom didn't do was be like, Hold on a second. You want me to be a what? A gatekeeper? I've been a, no, a doorkeeper? Well, maybe you don't understand. I rock that harp like a vandal. I light up the stage and watch it jump like a candle dance. Come on, somebody. Anybody from the 90s today? Just 90s. Just go back a little bit. He's like, yeah. You need me to do something else? I'm not married to my harp. You need a doorkeeper? I'll be your doorkeeper. He had become so hungry for God's presence, he didn't get married to his ego. Amen, pastor. Woo, you a preaching fool. I know it. Thank you so much. You got to let go of what has been for what God is doing sometimes and faithfulness to God's house and love for the presence of God and loving his church carried him from the desert to the doorway of God's presence. And God can do the same for you. God's mechanism for blessing is faithfulness. The mechanism for blessing in your life is faithfulness. And he ended up front. And then it gets crazier, okay? It gets crazier because usher, greeter, offering, harpist, doorkeeper, First Chronicles 16 and 4. And he appointed some of the 
Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to commemorate, to thank, to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, next to him Zechariah, Jael, Shimmeramuth, Jael, Mattathiah, Eliab, Benaiah, and Obed-Edom with stringed instruments and harps, but Asaph made music with cymbals. After he agreed to be the doorkeeper, they're like, you know what? We need you to double duty it. Obed-Edom, he's like, I would love to double duty it. And so he played his harp, and he was also one that ministered before the ark of God. And so he was in the same presence of the same one he fell in love with all those years ago. Promotion came to Obed-Edom. He was appointed a minister before the ark. He was on the prayer team. He was on the worship team. He was a carrier of God's presence. One day, Obed-Edom woke up and realized, I am a minister of God. I am one carrying the presence of God through my service and life to others. I pray for every one of us we have moments like that in our life where we realize God is using us to bring somebody closer to himself. And here's the truth about the church. Where people do not help, the body of Christ is weak. Where people don't say, you know what, I'll be involved. You know what, I want to be closer to the presence of God. You know what, you can count on me, I'll be faithful. I will be the kind of person that just wants to get close to God. And I realize that service is the highest level of spirituality. Where people do not help, the body of Christ is weak. And Obed-Edom was growing. Do you realize that? He had encountered the presence of God and didn't just try to spend the rest of his life laying down close to the ark, blowing kisses at God. He realized, if I really love God, I'm going to have to use my life to serve somebody else. Listen to me. I fought a bunch of crazies off in his church years and years ago that thought the highest level of spirituality was to have abstract dreams and wild interpretations of Scripture and demonstrative and loud moments of, you know, self-gratifying worship. That's not the highest level of spirituality. The highest level of spirituality is when you serve somebody. Jesus himself said, the greatest among you would be a... So it goes on. We have here in 1 Chronicles 16, 37, it says this, so he left Asaph, and his brothers before the ark of the covenant of the Lord to minister before the ark regularly as every day's work required. And Obed-Edom with his 68 brethren. Obed-Edom has changed his family story. And now he is somehow, because of exposure, because of faithfulness, he has now been qualified for leadership and trusted with leadership. Like, like his view of God's house changed from, oh my goodness, this is so great, look what's in it for me, to how do I get others into God's presence most effectively? And 68 men followed him. How do you become the kind of man other men want to follow? Obed-Edom, tell me, how did you become this kind of man that other men want to follow? And Obed-Edom would say, well, it's because God's presence came to my life. God's presence came to my house and changed me. Okay, and then it goes on. It says in 1 Chronicles 26 and 4, moreover, the sons, say sons, the sons of Obed-Edom were shimmy, shimmy, ya, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yay. Give me the mic so I can take it away. Shimamiah, 
the firstborn, Jehozabad, the second, Joel, the third, Sakar, the fourth, Nathanael, the fifth, Amiel, the sixth, Zakar, the seventh, Petuliel, the eighth, for God blessed him. Also to Shimei, Shimei, his son were sons born, who governed their father's houses because they were men of great ability. The sons of Shimei were Othni, Rephiel, Obed, and Elizabeth, whose brothers Elihu and Samashiah were able men. All these were sons of Obed, Edom, they and their sons and their brethren able men with strength for the work of God, 62 of Obed-Edom. This guy is in the backside of a desert identified as a tribe of Goliath, an outsider to God's presence. God comes and visits him and rewrites the entire story of his family and he wants to do the same for you. He wants to do the same for you. I don't care if you got a bunch of drug addicts, drunks, liars, cheaters, stealers, and devil worshipers in your family. If you'll just get connected to the presence of God, he can turn it all around. Somebody say yeah. Somebody say yeah. So it goes on. The presence of God is the greatest force in the world to transform your heart into something other. They begin to trust him with treasure. First Chronicles 26, 14. The, the lot for the east gates fell to Shalemiah. Then they cast lots for his son Zechariah, a wise counselor, and his, and, and his lot came out for the north gate. And to Obed-Edom, the south gate, and his sons, the storehouse. His sons got the church bank account. Second Chronicles 25, 24. And he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of God with Obed-Edom, the treasures of the king's house and hostages, and returned to Samaria. When Jerusalem was under siege, all the stuff that David had accumulated to build the temple, Obed-Edom was guarding it. And thinking about when I was reading this, I was thinking about Otho and Keith and, uh, and, and what they did at Eastern Gate Free Will Baptist Church. They went through a long, hard time of like trying to figure out what to do and it, it had gone down. But they never left it. They never left it. And they safeguarded it. And they found a way to bless this body by becoming a part of us. All because they loved the presence of God. And because they said, hold on. And because they said this ground, this place will only be used to proclaim Christ to our community and nothing else. Give it up for Jesus. That happens because people had been changed by the presence of God. David had gathered so much. Obed-Edom was trusted with the treasure. He was trusted with unprecedented riches. He was trusted with the blessing because he just got hungry for the presence of God. And I pray to God we're not the kind of people that come to church and don't care 
whether or not we have been close to Jesus. I pray to God we're not the kind of people that can live lives separate from the power and presence of God week in and week out and not be convicted in our soul to turn toward God, to pray, to worship, to read the word, to get in God's house and pour out our hearts to him that we're not distracted by things and phones and people and sin so much that we can't press into what really matters, the presence of God in our lives. To be clear, Obed-Edom had a desire for the Lord and moved with God. His desire for the Lord caused him to do whatever it took to be close to the Lord. He became a gatekeeper, a musician, and a doorkeeper for the Lord in the house of God. And due to Obed-Edom's desire and love for the Lord and his faithfulness, God begins again to bless him and promote him. And Obed-Edom becomes a worship leader. And he's mentioned with Asaph, the chief musician, And Obed-Edom had 68 people that were associate ministers with him. And yet he still continued to keep the gates because he wasn't too big to serve. And Obed-Edom was not only blessed in ministry, he was blessed in his relationship with the Lord and his family was also blessed. God gave him eight sons. His wife was raised in a football team and his sons and grandsons also became worshipers of the Lord and were blessed by God. And they were leaders, and the Bible calls them capable men with strength to do the work, 62 in all. And Obed-Edom, along with all the other duties, was put in charge of the south gate, and his sons were keeper of the storehouse. And Obed-Edom, through all of his faith and actions that had been influenced by just getting close to the presence of God, established a generational blessing over his family. Here's what I know. God's presence will change your life for the better. Here's what I know. Making God's house and God's presence a priority will deeply impact generations and bring about the blessing in your life. Because in God's presence, your past is erased future is revealed and when you get in God's presence all hell might fight but his blessings will start to be seen and evident just like in Obed-Edom's life your lack is going to have to get back your pain can't remain and your fears got to disappear because the bigness of God crowds out the smallness of the attacks of the enemy the Bible tells us in his presence In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, the old paradigm of church is like an old school bank without an app. Like the, the church just like provides service to people. You attend services, get a service, and then go home. Everyone serves God based on how they feel or they do God a favor and help God out. People are cold and distant toward one another bunch of rugged individualists coming together to ease their consciences. We live day-to-day lives of disconnectedness with God and each other, mediocrity, uninspired for God, rarely feeling your faith or sharing your faith with the lost. Uh Uh-uh, I wholeheartedly reject that. The Obed-Edom paradigm of church. The church is full of people called to minister. The church is full of people called to serve. The role of the pastor and the leadership team of the church is to train and equip the people for service. Like people come to church looking for a way 
to worship, a way to serve others, a way to encounter God for themselves. And everyone does what they do out of thankfulness and joy, not of compulsion and guilt. The congregation does what they do enthusiastically, enthusiastically because they love to support the vision, the mission, the expansion of the house of God for the presence of God to touch more people's lives. The church is full of people who are concerned for the souls of others and who regularly reach out for the lost. Psalm 84 and one says, how lovely is your dwelling place of God, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Better is one day in your courts. I think somebody knew about Obed-Edom when they wrote this. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Where can I serve? Where can I help? Who can I help? How can I help? If you've been touched by the presence of God, it'll make you hungry. You'll get addicted. Now, and you're going to want to be with other addicts because I'd rather be here than anywhere else because things happen here that don't happen anywhere else. Things happen in the house of God that don't happen anywhere else. Nothing that you can do, nothing that I can do is more in sync with Jesus than loving and building the house of God and being in his presence. What's your story? What's your family history? Where do you come from? What's God doing? That doesn't have to be the case if you don't like the story. You need, and I need, the presence of God in my life, in your life. And we need to get hungry for it. Which means, just like I shared with you last week how I have personal moments of prayer and praise and worship, we all have to have that. Where the music is not ACDC, where it's leading us closer to God. And I'm not against ACDC. There's only a few things that can get you going like back in black. Come on, somebody. But that's not where you need to go all the time. You need to practice the presence of God. Invite his, invite your awareness to touch him. We are people of his presence. We are a church filled with passionate prayer and heartfelt worship. And to be honest, our worship isn't as heartfelt as it needs to be. We don't feel our faith enough right now. And I know we've been shocked through COVID, but that excuse is dying. It's over. And so for us, if our hearts have become cold and indifferent, the only way to get your heart on fire for God is not to work harder. It's just to be in his presence a little more. Change the music you listen to. Change the words you read. Get in his presence. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.